You are a rowing mom. I love that your son got you into the sport. This is the Rower's Choice Podcast. This is Alex Del Sordo with another Rower's Choice Podcast, and I'm still here in Sarasota, Florida, overlooking the race course. Today, I am interviewing Meg Keem. You may not have heard of her. Uh, she has she has spent her career been with a lot of programs, and funny enough, I travel 1,300 miles, and there she is, her big smile, saying hi to me, and I had thought that she was still in Pittsburgh. So Meg has been in the industry for a very long time. We're gonna listen and uh, learn a little bit about how she has gotten to where she is uh, with her in her profession. And we're gonna touch on a conversation I had yesterday with a coach, female coach at 22, and we're gonna learn a little bit about um, Meg's experiences as a woman in the sport. So Meg, thanks for being here. How cool is this? My pleasure. It's great <laughs> to be here with you and actually on my day where I'm not coaching and getting to enjoy just the, the sights, sounds, and rowing that's going on with the master's side of things. And you don't get that chance that much, right? No, not as a rowing coach. You don't get downtime <laughs> that much when you go to bed if you get that chance. That's right. That's right. So listen, I, you know, I, you've, you were an awesome customer back years ago when Finish Line had started. So, but I unfortunately never asked the question, what was your rowing background? What's your, what's your history? Walk me through uh, from the time you started rowing to where you are today. Okay, well, it, it, my career is probably short compared to others of my age. Um, my age being almost 60 here in a couple months and starting in this about 18 years ago, my son was a high school student in Pittsburgh at Central Catholic High School and I was a rowing parent. Um, I thank him because he, first of all, encouraged me to buy him an ERG so that he could train in the summer when he was not gonna be able to get to the boathouse possibly. And of course, the next thing he did is, well, you got to try this. Um, we'd been bicycling as a family, would do a lot of outdoor activities. So I think he knew me pretty well. And then, then the next leg was, well, you'll like it a lot more if you get on the water. So Three Rivers in Pittsburgh has had a recreational league for many years. They stopped, called it corporate rowing. Now it's the summer rowing league. And it allows people who want to give it a try, chance to row once a week. So I did that. Um, the people I rode with were other parents of rowers on the Central Catholic team. Some of them were in it for the burgers and the beers, which <laughs> you get afterwards, and others like me were wanted to learn to row and move on, as I found after a couple weeks. So um, I found out how to become part of the Masters team that was in Pittsburgh at the time. They, we were called the Masters Women's Team. And um, they gave me some good sound advice. One was, train with us over the winter and then you'll be strong enough in the spring to race. And the other was, hey, while you have time this fall, take some sculling lessons, which let I me, did. Let me interrupt. Certainly. Uh, yeah, so, okay. <laughs> I love that your son got you into the sport, right? You're a oh, rowing, yeah. You were a rowing mom. You were yep. the mom that all the high school kids take for granted. Let's be mm. real. You're the one making the hamburgers. You're the one uh, carrying, lugging around waters and Gatorades. Yep. So it was that experience that got you into what I want to learn a little bit more about. You were you were rowing with parents from Central Catholic. Yep. How, how valuable is that for parents and for the for the school and the team? 
Oh, it's fantastic because uh, it gives the parents an opportunity to see what their kids are going through, maybe a little bit different experience, but at least they have to understand what their kids are experiencing from getting on the water and having to know that the boat is not going to feel steady. Mm-hmm. Um, what, they, what the experience is like to know that you have to follow somebody else, or if you're the person, my experience, I'll tell you this is, one day we needed a rower, so my son was willing to sit in. He was, I think, four or six seat. Don't ask me how I ended up in stroke seat. <laughs> so I maybe had done this for three weeks, and we get halfway through the practice, and I'm getting a little tired, so I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say anything he was a good kid at that point he didn't say anything at that point but when we were done with practice he said mom you can't stop you That's gotta awesome. keep going no matter how tired you are you how many keep going. how many parents were part of that rowing group well all eight of us that day and then as time went on i know there's another high school in pittsburgh fox chapel and by this point i'd started coaching uh, they had a parent group, um, and then as Three Rivers started to grow, they started junior team, and I was working with Rick Brown, who he supported me. Thank you, Rick, for all the years of support of coming in and out of the club. Um, but the biggest thing with that is we encouraged the junior team members, Rick and other parents who had already tried out to, if not on the water, at least do our winter rowing program because Pittsburgh has the advantage of rowing tanks. How, how, okay, I, I had assumed that you were a lifelong rower back in the 80s and 90s. How did you learn the sport to then become a coach? What what were you doing at that point? So here's my other background. I went to school to be an automotive technician. Hmm. Um, Spent a little over 20 some years starting out as a technician, moving into being a trainer. General Motors had training centers throughout the country. I did that and then moved on to working as a supplier to mostly General Motors, but other car companies Wow! Um, with my husband. And um, that was up until late 90, early 2000s when things were starting to change big time with the car companies. At that point, we realized that we were going to have to transition one way or another. I looked at what my opportunities were. And it was going to be a lot of sitting behind a computer at a desk. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. No way. So that coincided with my son starting into high school. And then eventually um, his girlfriend, now wife, was going to go off to school to become an athletic trainer. I started listening to the name of the courses that she was taking and also riding a launch with his coach. And then also my daughter picked up rowing when she got to high school three years later. Wow. And... Um, I, I gradually got into the seat, but my background as a trainer and working with people, educating, I think was a huge, huge benefit to me in coming into the coaching world. Uh, auto mechanics is not all about seeing and, and manipulating anymore. There's a lot of, it's computer-based, but it's mm-hmm. still a lot of hands-on. So I had that experience, and I'm, uh, I sometimes like to call myself more of a facilitator than a, a teacher. And it, it is the same thing depending on who you are. I'm about people learning through the experience and not necessarily having to tell them everything to do. Let's tell you a little bit. Let's experience it. Let's go back and see what we can change. So you, you, you sort of stumbled into this in a way. I mean, you sort of, s- kind of, yeah. Right? I mean, you, you, you had, a, you had a, what I would consider a great career. Um, and then your son goes, now you said you have a daughter too. So you have yes. two children? Two children, yep. Both rode? Both rode in high school. And uh, okay, so then, so then you get immersed into rowing just because you have to.
And there was a couple of years where you, you, you did some rowing, but at what point did you say, yes, coaching is my future. This is what I want to do. How far along in rowing were you? About two years in. That's it, huh? When, that I fast. went to, um, so I keep saying Pittsburgh. I worked at Three Rivers Rowing in Pittsburgh. Um, the director at the time, Mike Lambert, went to him and I said, listen, I'd be interested in doing some coaching. What's the best way for me to get into it? And he said, well, we're always looking for coaches for that same league I was a part of. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe you could do some learn to row stuff in the summer with the kids. And I had the time available because we were still running our business and I had time flexibility. Okay. Um, so I did a lot of seeking, asking questions of people. Sometimes it got me somewhere, sometimes it didn't. Um, and finally I got to the point of asking different coaches why they did what they did. Now there's was, a lot were, of good coaches. Were you asking coaches just in the Pittsburgh area? Or At that time, yes. Just, just in At your little time. circle? Yeah. Okay. So it started out with that and the answer, some of them was, well, it's what my coach did and others would say, well, this was my, I, mean, I'm not, I don't have specific people and answers right now. Um, but actually one of them is uh, tied in with your company, Frank Sands mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh, yeah, right. who was always open to saying, if you need help with anything, let me know. And that was more on the level of coaching and going sure. to races, taking boats. But I mean, it, that's the way it should be. And it's the way I enjoy this rowing world. It's most everybody out there is willing to lend a hand in whatever way it needs to happen. Do you think that you, sh was there any time of moment where people just didn't give you the respect because you were brand new and... Uh, or, or did you ever feel that? Did you ever feel disrespected or, or pushed aside or brushed off because you were brand new? Well, here's a learning experience from both the automotive side, which you still forget your experiences. There is the true being pushed aside, which happens and mm -hmm. it's going to happen and it's not gonna change. And you can call it a man, woman thing. You can call it a more assertive, less assertive person kind of thing, but it's gonna happen and if you're truly um, interested enough in something, you will find a way to work your way through it, not mm -hmm. you know, maybe around it, through it. Um, are there people that I still look to and say, you know, they, they probably don't respect me as much as maybe somebody else who's been through the national team experience, rowing in college, rowing in high school? Yeah, but some of it's perceived and some of it's real. Uh, but I think if you want to do something badly enough, you'll find a way to get there. I appreciate that. So 2004, five, you start, you start yeah. coaching, getting serious about it. Okay. So then what's happened from 05 to till today? Cause you're, you're, you're down at Vero beach. I mean, what's happened in those 15 years here? I'm going to add one more thing in on the 0405 thing, because that's okay. the point at which I realized. And as a trainer for automotive technicians, I'm a fan of, and think that training is good. I found out that getting us rowing certified was a part of what needed to happen. Found out the U.S. Rowing Convention was in Miami, I believe it was 04. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure because I think it was right after the teams came back and the men had gotten gold. Um, and took myself down there, went through, at that point, level one was the first thing you took. It's changed a little bit now. Came back, started doing a little coaching with Three Rivers and also with uh, Oakland Catholic High School, the girls' Catholic high school in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. um, then in 05, uh, well, 04, finding that out, and it's more of why are you doing what you're doing, realized I needed to go get better background just in general. So I enrolled and went back to college. I'd always had an associate degree in automotive technology, went back to get a bachelor's in exercise physiology. Wow. Um, at Pitt. I loved it. I, I love learning. Um, 
probably, you know, I'd be back in school again if I could afford and had time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you got a degree specifically for your coaching in the yes. rowing. In, in, in the I want to know why I'm doing what I'm doing and, and can support what I'm doing with um, the facts. Uh, and now some of it has to be from experience, for sure. I mean, mm -hmm. you can't do everything from a study, and I'm not a big, oh, the study says, well, obviously, you don't know some of the sources of funding for some of those studies. Mm -hmm. But there's still, it's, it's scientific evidence to goes along with what we're doing, and it's supported now in what we see in the U.S. Rowing Level 2. I haven't been to Level 3 yet. Hopefully I get selected at some point. Yeah, I did, I did hear that was a selected yeah. process. And that might be a little bit of one of those times where, okay, so how do I get to be next on the list? But <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't needed to push yet. Uh, do you think that, that every coach in our sport that wants to make it a career should, should follow that exercise physiology uh, degree like area, like direction? Do you think I that's don't know if everybody needs to necessarily have that degree, but they need to have the the willingness to do what they can and do the receipt search on their own to find out what those things, the physiology and anatomy, the biomechanics mm -hmm. of how first, number one, not to get hurt. Yeah, right. I mean, if you talk to people like Mike Davenport, mm -hmm. you know, he'll tell you, you got to rig somebody so they're comfortable, comfortable yeah. because you don't want them to hurt themselves while they're taking it. I'm, I'm not quoting him no, no, no. Word you're, for you're word, spot but on. generally, you're spot on. You're spot is on. what I've been to clinics with Mike and other people who are, you know, you don't rig for this angle. You rig, yeah, you want to get that angle, but they've got to be comfortable and they've got to be able to get there every time without yeah. it hurting them. And and do you spend a lot of your time rigging and prepping those boats as as a coach? I'm not like a heavy duty. I don't. My routine is not standing by the boat until the last minute when it goes over mm -hmm. to get on the water. And I, I, you know, I'm a people person. Yeah. Um, we do most of that before we get here or wherever the race may be. Sure. Um, I'm more about making sure that the, the rowers are ready to go on the water. I don't like to interfere with their process, but we develop a process, whatever it may be, for the team. That may be different for my young lady that goes a single right now versus the double quad eight. Um, masters versus high school versus middle sure. schoolers. So in 05, you get your degree, maybe 05, 06, because it takes yeah. some time. You're with Oak, Oakland Catholic, Catholic. Um, Three Rivers consistently. W where else have you been? Um, so I spent up until, gosh, now I have to remember, uh, 2017 with Three Rivers Rowing. Um, and I did a lot of things, and anybody in the rowing world knows that you wear many hats. Oh, gosh, Especially yeah. if you work for a rowing club. Um, so I... I repaired equipment. Of course, the automotive background helped out there, maintained launches, um, managed the adult rowing programs, did some coaching with the summer um, junior sculling and also sweep, but most sculling a good bit. I'd, I'd raced a single for many years, five, six years in a row um, as a master's rower. And um, eventually did start to work with the junior team in Pittsburgh for a couple years. Um, at that point, I got to where it was like, this is a well-established club. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean that they don't need to help, nor was I necessarily leaving because things were not right. It was just I wanted a new adventure. And that became an opportunity to do that. Came with a small club up in um, northern Michigan, uh, lower peninsula, Lake Leelanau, which is near Traverse City. 
They were looking for somebody to help them move on from where they were, which was going to races and doing well, but looking for a way to get faster. Um, I, there, I, and off I went. I'm listening. You're, 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 you've become resourceful. You've become a jack of all trades. Uh, there's not a lot of coaches that can say they've repaired the launches, they've fixed boats, they've trailered, they've done all rigging, physiology. Um, but another thing that popped in my head as, as you're talking is, You've spent a lot of time both on the master side and the youth side of, of coaching and, yeah. and athletics. What are there similarities? Are there what are the big differences between the two of them? Can you can you think or or talk about that the differences or similarities between ma masters and youth? Well, the one big similarity that that I think anybody that's in coaching, if they're getting into it as a younger person or even an older you know, experienced in life, but not necessarily experienced as a coach or being in a position like that is anybody that you are coaching, first of all, calls you coach, which is kind of a, a, a an honor mm. because if they're calling you coach, you've gotten to a point where they recognize that you are a coach and they, they look to you no matter who you are. They may be 20 years older than you. They may be 40 years older than you, but they're looking for guidance from you. They don't want you to do everything for them necessarily, but they're gonna to come to you and they're gonna ask you questions. And if you're a younger person newer to this, you're gonna sit down and say, oh, they probably know how to do this. Why are they asking me? They're asking you because you're in the position of coach. Respe respect that position. I really like that. That's, that's uh, yeah, I do, I, I, when I do these podcasts, I tend to, Think back to memories that I had, right? Because that's because <laughs> that you know you bring out emotions, and I can think back to when I was just starting at Potomac, and we had Nancy Fagan as our as our coach, and she said one thing, and from that point on, I was like, well, she may not have ex have as a, as a have as a, as much experience as me in the boat, but she was my coach, mm -hmm. and I had to listen to her, and I went to her for advice and direction. And you're right; it doesn't matter if you're. 60 years old or if you're 16 years old right the coach is the coach and you gotta learn how to respect that i i, I love that uh looking for guidance what else what else can you talk about with the differences maybe specific about training i mean are there any differences with training and development absolutely so um, things I learned my when I went to get my degree in exercise physiology I took the wellness track knowing that I was going to be experiencing my own changes through life this was about again this is back in the 2000s and about 14 15 years ago um, I'm gonna be getting older what am I gonna to want to learn about how to take care of myself but also how do I make sure that rowers like me who I was coaching and would be coaching still how do I make sure that they're not hurting themselves and making sure that they're they're treating their bodies in a way that will allow them to continue to do this? Because we talk about rowing being a lifelong sport. Sure. As long as we take care of ourselves, no matter what. So uh, experience of rowing coaching masters is you're coaching possibly a range of people from their 20s all the way through 70 plus. Mm -hmm. um, a training plan you make for the average age of that is not going to work for the 20 somethings and it's not gonna work for the 60-somethings. Some people need one day off and that day could be go out and do a light run. Others need two days off throughout that time period and they need it to be a full day off of, you know, they're walking the steps of their work possibly doing. Um, the other is recognizing after coming from a colder climate and heat is a issue as well, 
your body is going to react to these things and has a tolerance for it um, in different ways depending on your age. Mm -hmm. um, so if I've got a you know, 50, 60s plus person with very little body fat, I should not be taking them out in conditions where it's gonna be cold and rainy. They do not have the ability to control their core temperature the way uh, you know, an elite aged rower would. Absolutely not. They need to be protected from that as best as they can. And then even at races, you know, the, the officials are looking for that all the time. I ran head of the Ohio for six or seven years, and that was definitely a big consideration one year when we had to call a race. Conditions are, you know, novices, as well as some of our adult, older adult rowers, we needed to keep them safe by not putting them on the water. Is it safe to say uh, that from the high school perspective, because I talk and see a lot of high school coaches, they have more of a generalized training plan and they just, it's a one size fits all. But with masters, you have to be a little bit more specific and detailed because you're saying like there are some athletes that in your program that could be 70 years old, you got to give them two or three days off. Is, is, is that safe to say that that's the case? It can be a little closer to a one-size-fits-all with a younger athlete. Um, and then the other is what all kinds of training are you doing? So let's take middle school out of the picture uh, because they're still developing. Um, they're still growing. Growth plates are still possibly closing. Um, it's not bad for them to do uh, muscular strength, but you may want to stay more with body weight versus adding extra weight. Um, learning, learning the movements. Let's just train the movements. Don't worry about training the weight. Uh, I'm not directly, again, quoting somebody else, but other podcasts I listen to to stay up to date is, I hear that from pe other people, in addition to what I learned when I was going through school. Uh, but you start to get into the high school and of course college level. Now you've learned the movement, you can add the weight. And again, yes, it's gonna be fairly strictly across board, um, but you always have to train the individual athlete. There is no question you have to train the individual yeah. athlete. And a coach, as you gain experience, you see more and more about how that takes place. And there's no way to get it other than through experience. There's not this, somebody just dropped that information in your head and now you know. Sure, yeah, I mean, the, your, your ability to coach now versus 2002 is, I mean, it's night yeah. and day different, right? Oh, absolutely, and the other thing is, you know, we joke about it. My husband and I were in the training business for technicians for years. So whether it's a young technician or a young athlete or a young coach, you know, coaching to whoever it is, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. We, and that right, will take you, know you the wrong way if you don't I, know what you don't we, know. We have, we have now gotten the perfect transition to our next topic. <laughs> Yesterday, Coach Madison, she's 22 years old. Okay. To me, she, she is a very young you in a way. She is extremely resourceful. Good. She delivered pizzas to buy her single. She works part-time at Bush Gardens to make sure that she can cover her bills to be full-time coaching. What kind of advice can you give her if she was here right now, what would you tell her at 22? She wants this to be a career. Okay. What would you tell her, a woman in rowing right now at the age of 22? And she said three things that I don't think I'll ever forget. She says, I have three strikes against me to make this a career. I am short, I am young, and I'm a woman, okay? And, and I gotta tell you, she was not messing around with that. She was not being funny, she was dead serious. 
someone who's been doing this 18 years, you've been, you've, you've, you've been one of the most resourceful people that we have interviewed so far, uh, what would you tell her? Yeah, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know that I have the magic bullet, of course, but resourcefulness obviously is going to be good. Um, watching videos of the variety of things that are out there. I mean, YouTube's a fantastic resource, of course, for rowing videos. The thing is, you have to know which ones are the good ones mm -hmm. and which ones are the bad ones. But you'll learn from just doing that. Um, talking to other coaches and don't be afraid to ask. Um, if one turns you down, the next one may not. You can tell when somebody's going to be helpful, and if they're not, you just say thanks. I appreciate your whatever they had to offer, which may have not been much. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, going to races is tough because coaches are very busy at races, so you really kind to, you know, need to find that. The other for me, um, my biggest resource always has been to going to the U.S. Rowing Convention, and also to the Joyous Sculling uh, Coaches Conference. Both of them. You're in a room with hundreds and hundreds of coaches. You just start talking. Sure. Um, and again, you may find somebody wants to strike up a conversation with you, and somebody else may be busy trying to find their next person they want to talk to. Um, don't take it personally. I'm really good at taking things personally. <laughs> I, you know, send you down the wrong road. Don't take it personally. Just need to take my own advice a little more often. Um, I, yeah. I, I appreciate that. So those are those are good points. But you know, how about how about your education, you learning how to repair boats and equipment, is that something that sh a coach should really start to learn and focus on? Yes, yes, I think, so having that background in automotive and part of my training was also as an auto body repair. I did not do that as a career, but I had that training. Um, and then just having somebody who was doing it before me say, listen, there's a lot of resources out there, West Marine, YouTube videos, all that has resources for you to learn about composites, how sure. to work with it. Um, and the other is um, you may or may not get paid financially for what you do. <laughs> However, if you're enjoying what you're doing, I mean, these are a lot of little tidbits that aren't the, not, you know, meat and potatoes no, of course, at all. of course. But, I mean, I went to the U.S. Rowing Convention. I didn't say, well, what rowing club's going to pay for me to go there? I bought the ticket. Mm. I went to the convention. I paid for the whatever it needed to do. You have to put the effort into it for other people to respect the fact that you're taking yeah. the time and energy to put it in. If you're just asking for handouts, people are going to walk away from you. I'm really excited for her future and see where she's going because she does those exact same things. doesn't sound like she's looking for handouts. No, she's just looking no. for some guidance. She, guidance, and, and, and I know that she's actively seeking mentorship. So yeah. without fail, we are going to have you connect with her uh, before love to talk before to the her. week is out because she would she wants to hear these things. I learned a great deal about you that I was not prepared <laughs> to learn about. Um, the the automotive side, though, I think is really the key to your success in in your rowing. You learned a lot about training individuals, coaching individuals, yeah. and the automotive world is almost exactly like it is here. I mean, it's the same kind of concepts hands-on work, uh, detail-oriented. Yep. I mean, we have automotive painters at Resolute and at, at Finish Line, right? And some of our best technicians, the guys that can do the actual work, are automotive nut nuts. They just love that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. 
So this is, uh, I gotta say, I've had a lot of fun um, talking to you. And, and I, I've circled this now five times in my notes. I cannot believe that you are a crew mom turned coach <laughs> turned uh, college, um, uh, what you got, your bachelor's degree, and, and now you are down in Florida, um, continuing that passion and hopefully into the mentorship. So thank you for, for being here. Is there anything that you wanna close on with um, well, future yeah, coaches? You're, you're afraid, thank you, uh, because I think that's the one other thing that I have not done enough of, um, but gratitude is huge. I've worked with a lot of great people. My first coach, um, Donald Weber Plank at Three Rivers in Pittsburgh. I learned a lot from him and we still, the women that rode with him, will always go back and remember what Donald said. Um, so that, and like I said, Rick Brown was very, very open to having me work at Three Rivers as he was beginning his uh, tenure as the executive director. Um, and other coaches like Frank Sand, who worked, Frank yep. Sands who works with you, who was always, and, I, you know, I'm not going to be able to list all the names because I've been given opportunities by a lot of people, including the folks at Vero Beach Rowing, to come, come down here, enjoy the life of being, uh, let's see, it's February 23rd and it is not 15 degrees, <laughs> snowing, raining. Yesterday morning was nothing. It was 40 degrees and so what? It was a little bit chilly. This has been a wonderful podcast. Thank you for do, uh, joining us. And we have uh, more coming from the fifth floor of Nathan Benderson Park. Uh, what a view, right? Uh, well, I thank mean, you, Alex. And it's been great to get to know you, CJ, and continue to wish you the best with uh, your new adventures. Thank you so much. This is the Rower's Choice Podcast. Rower's Choice is made up of finish line shell repair, Resolute Racing Shells, and Sykes USA.